Welcome back to The Boma. Our podcast is about livestock in the developing world. But in this episode, we're going to be exploring the hidden meat of the world, so-called wild meat or bush meat, as it's referred to in the African continent. So bush meat or wild meat is meat from wildlife. It's that simple. That was Hector Patel, a scientist and One Health communications coordinator at the International Livestock Research Institute here in Nairobi, Kenya. And she's also the lead author for a truly pioneering study led by Ilri on bushmeat. Because here's the thing, there have been studies before looking at bushmeat, uh, like bushmeat and conservation, bushmeat and biodiversity, but no studies looking at people's behaviour around consuming bushmeat, their attitudes about eating it when it comes to risk. Now, why is it worth looking at this? Because bushmeat is considered riskier to human health than livestock meat. Bushmeat is a significant industry. Across the world, there are millions of people in Asia, Africa and Latin America who rely on meat from wild animals for nutrition and also for livelihoods based on hunting and selling wild animal products. In some countries, bushmeat is even hunted and eaten on the same scale as meat from livestock. So in what way are we saying that bushmeat might be harmful to human health? So in one word, I would say zoonotic disease risks. Um, wildlife have been known to be reservoirs for potential pathogens that could cause zoonotic diseases, uh, which would affect human health. Diseases that can pass between animals and humans, and humans to animals, are called zoonoses. And we should all be wary, because 60% of all emerging infectious diseases in the past few decades have been zoonoses. And 70% of those came from wildlife. Well-known examples where wild meat seems to have been behind disease outbreaks include the Ebola outbreak from 2014 to 2016 in West Africa, and the pandemic that's been on everybody's mind, COVID-19, and the recent outbreak of monkeypox. Now, diseases aren't simply transmitted through just eating wild meat. They could also be transmitted through coming into contact with wild animals. So bushmeat consumption has been considered to be, what I say, risky behaviour. And if we can better understand people's attitudes, as well as the roles that people are playing in bushmeat slash wild meat activities, we may be able to provide uh, evidence that could drive policy changes that mitigate risks. Now, Ilri is known for its One Health approach, meaning it looks at links between animal, human and environmental health. And this includes interactions between wild animals and livestock and people. How much do people in communities that hunt and eat wild meat, uh, in this case at the Kenya-Tanzania border, understand about disease risks? And how does that understanding affect their behaviour when it comes to hunting and consuming bushmeat? So this study took advantage of the recent global pandemic of COVID-19 to ask these questions. First, though, let's start at the beginning. Why are people hunting and eating bushmeat? We spoke to Eugene. He was one of the data collectors for the study and visited the border communities to collect information and opinions about bushmeat. But there's more to Eugene. Before he became a conservationist and wildlife champion, Eugene himself used to hunt bushmeat. I live in a coastal region of Kenya. 
I'm the third born, so in that family of 11 children, considering that the family was uh, large, actually it was not easy for our dad to bring food on the table. But one thing I would say is that uh, what he used to do most, the main activity that used to bring us food on the table was actually hunting. So we used to have a lot of bush meat actually from in, on the table. That was on a daily basis, we would have to eat bush meat. Actually, I was in, uh, I was a young boy from school. I have my snares around the farm. I come in the evening. I just find a, a catch. There is a catch. I take home, and uh, part of it actually, I I sell it. So I used to do both uh, for commercial and for subsistence. This was all through from our dad all along coming down to to his children, to his sons. So hunting, it wasn't just a uh, way to get protein, to get meat, or a way to make money. It was also something that had been passed down to Eugene through generations. My grandfather himself, actually he himself used to hunt. So it is a skill he learned from his dad. So it's like a way of inheritance. Our grandfather at some point, there was a time he killed a lion. And then our grandfather himself took us to the bush. And we were there slaughtering the whole lion where we were brought up. We lived very far away from the village, around three kilometers away from the village. So we were living in the bush completely. And uh, meat was available. Actually, these these, uh, animals were very much available. Ilri also works to reduce hunger and poverty through livestock research. Eugene said that bushmeat is often the most affordable and accessible meat around for remote rural communities, including within families. And also, it's tasty. Because now we were brought up having tasted uh, that meat, we knew that uh, this meat is sweet and it was like it's the only available meat. Livestock would be sold by our dad only, and it would really take him a lot of time. He couldn't slaughter a goat. A goat would only be slaughtered at our home during Christmas holiday. Just that. No livestock is eaten in between. And remember, it was only our dad who would give authority for slaughtering. And to some people, bushmeat actually doesn't seem risky. Culturally, it can be believed to be the healthier choice. There was a time I was walking in the bush with my dad, and uh, as we were walking, we found a, a certain uh, there was a certain antelope called lesakudu. It had eaten uh, a certain plant. So what my dad told me is, you see, this uh, the lesakudu has chewed part of this plant. This plant is not eaten as food by this animal. It's like a hub to this animal. And that's why many animals, many uh, wild animals don't fall sick. They don't get diseases. So there is that notion. He believed that, and he learned it from uh, from the those who came before him. They believe that uh, these herbs pr- protect these animals or uh, boost the immunity of these animals against diseases. So there is that notion people have that this bushmeat, these animals don't get diseases because they say they are not treated like uh, like livestock. 
livestock, we inject them with the chemicals, we use the carcides to spray them. But people were saying bushmeat has no chemicals. So let's go back to the study. It seems there were two possibilities. Um, first, COVID might have pushed people out of jobs, which reduced their income and encouraged even more wild meat hunting because food was less available. Or perhaps COVID would have discouraged people from hunting and eating wild meat if people understood that COVID had come from wild animals. The researchers interviewed 299 people. And what they found was that although people were aware of the COVID-19 pandemic and where it originated from, 70% of people asked said that the pandemic didn't affect how much bushmeat they ate. In fact, some even increased their consumption of wild meat. As for what they ate, it was mostly antelopes, birds, rodents and shrews. And there were some other interesting findings. In the rural communities of the Kenya-Tanzania border, most people are unemployed or working on home farms. There's high levels of poverty and most children don't attend school. But the government of Tanzania does permit bushmeat hunting. Whereas in Kenya, the situation is different. My name is Dr. Moses Otiende. I'm the head of the Forensics and Genetics Lab at Wildlife Research and Training Institute best here in Nairobi at KWS In Kenya, you know, hunting is illegal. So when you talk about sustainable hunting, it's only in those countries where, where hunting is legal. But in Kenya, you know, bushmeat, uh, all bushmeat trade, regardless of where it's found, it's illegal. So Kenyans, are not, we, are not, we, are not, we don't encourage uh, the issue of consumption. Countries like Tanzania, they allow, they allow uh, hunting and other countries also in Africa. But Kenya, for Kenya, there's no hunting. Despite hunting being illegal in Kenya, as Eugene told us, some people are still hunting it. The study found that of the people who were from Kenya, 80% of people asked did think wild meat was riskier than other meats. But of the people in Tanzania, only 50% thought that wild meat was riskier. Julia Farr, senior researcher with the Centre for International Forestry Research, that's C4, and Professor of Biodiversity and Human Development in Manchester Metropolitan University in the UK, was one of the researchers in this study. In Nigeria, we found a very clear trend for certain types of animals not to be consumed after the Ebola outbreak and certainly after the COVID-19 outbreak, because people begin to understand or have been told by the government themselves in some cases that uh, consumption of certain types of animals like bats and primates may be um, the source of, and pangolins for example, may be the source of, of disease. So people have stayed away from consuming these particular groups of animals. And what we do see and what we did ask in our study in Kenya and Tanzania is uh, how many, what sort of animals are they not consuming because of the potential, potential disease risk. But this study didn't find the same changes. They knew that COVID was there, but they still continued to, to eat these uh, animals. And the reasons why COVID-19 had impact on so many economic activities that they were doing within the areas. And for that reason, the only option was to eat 
Bushmeat. Moses suggests that educating the community on the zoonotic disease risks associated with hunting and eating bushmeat would reduce bushmeat activities. So one of the issues was one, this study identified critical hotspots through mapping uh, these areas by, by the sensors we got from the community. And then we also realized that uh, some of these people are not only just hunting for, 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 for peasantry, but they were hunting for, for commercial purposes. And then with the, with the confirmation of these hotspots, then it is very, very important for enforcement officials like KWS to, to be able to strategically position their, their enforcement in these areas. And then also we realized that it was important to, to keep informing and sensitizing communities living around these parks. But this study found that none of the many public communications about COVID-19, including the information that it likely originated in a bat or other wild animal, changed the bushmeat habits of people on the Kenya-Tanzania border. They continued hunting and eating meat from wild animals as they always had. Now, we might compare this to a situation such as when African swine fever spread in China. Even though the disease doesn't affect humans, many Chinese people reduce their consumption of pork due to fears that it might make them ill. And when bird flu hit Nigeria, many people there were concerned that eating poultry might make them sick. So why was it that the biggest zoonotic pandemic in 100 years, yep, that's COVID-19, and all the publicity that's come with it, why did all that fail to make any difference in the bushmeat trade in these East African borderlands? Well, while we don't have a definitive answer to that question, it could be guessed that the answer might be due to the different degrees of poverty and the different risks that these different communities face. People who stopped eating pork or poultry in China and Nigeria would have already been buying and consuming meat from domesticated animals. And this is something that many people in this particular region of East Africa were too poor to do so. Hunting and eating bushmeat is about balancing risks and needs. If Eugene grew up hunting because his father did it and his grandfather did it, and there were no other options on the table, what was it that made him stop? In the year 2012, one of my brother, my an elder brother of me, got a job in the in a in a conservation area. There's a place called the Lumo Conservation Area. So my brother got a job there. So when he got a job, he now became like an an ambassador. So what he would come, what he would tell even us at home that we should not uh, kill animals because he is being paid out of the out of uh, those conservation activities. And also my dad was happy because his son now had gotten a job. And I think it came so much into me that uh, indeed we need to conserve these animals. And then during the same time, there was a, a, there was a, a documentary on wildlife that was brought into the community. Having watched uh, that uh, documentary, Actually, it played a big role in, uh, in me also. So I also got that desire. Whatever I saw and whatever was being said by the one who was doing the, 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 the commentating, actually it was so nice and uh, 
And so from there, that's when I felt, no, I need to do a course. I need to do a study that uh, will help me get so much into this conservation. And that's how the idea, the zeal, the urge to do wildlife management came about. But there are still many people who have yet to forge an unexpected career in conservation. Are the risks of bushmeat only problems for people who are in severe poverty or who are still following traditional cultural practices and beliefs? Remember, bushmeat is the hidden meat, and that includes in cities and urban areas and by people who do have choices. What about the demand from people living in urban areas? There's still much to learn about the bushmeat trade and much to learn about people's behaviour and much to learn about risks. Thanks for joining me on the BOMA. If you liked this episode, please share and subscribe.